Hola, hola, friends. I'm so excited about this week's episode of the She Love Podcast. My name is Sara del Castillo, and I'm your host. And this week's guest is Lucy Ceballos, who is a recent Dartmouth Business School graduate and a project manager at TripAdvisor. Lucy is also a great friend of mine from New Orleans. She is a Tejana, a Texan, super passionate about the y'all movement up north, which I really appreciate as a fellow Southerner. And she is just amazing, y'all. This woman didn't ever even take a business class before applying to one of the best business schools in the world. And not only that, but she got a scholarship and now she's working for TripAdvisor and Along her journey has just lifted her community as she climbs. She has redefined her career. She's still figuring out what she wants to do with her life and what impact she wants to have in this world. And she's so thoughtful and teaches us so much about mindfulness and taking care of ourselves and really listening in and tuning in to who we want to be and um, and how we want to connect with others in this world. So I'm so excited for you to check out this episode. Lucy offers so many tips about applying to graduate school. Uh, if you don't know, Latinas represent 4% of people with master's degrees. Uh, it's a statistic I uh, looked up recently, and she is such a force, um, really has defied so many odds, and, and wants to share what she's learned with us, um, not just about her career and her journey, um, in that part of her life, but also her getting to know herself. So tune in, check it out. Lucy, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Como estas? Thank you, Sara, for having me. Oh my gosh, hearing your voice makes me smile. Um, I'm so grateful for this opportunity and just want to say that Sara brings such an authentic energy that is contagious, and um, I hope that y'all get to listen to more of it and feel that through her podcast, and I'm just so happy that I can be here. Thank you so much for inviting me and thinking of me. Thank you. So excited to have you on the show today. I've been wanting to get you on here for a while now, and um, so first and foremost, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I know um, listeners are probably really excited to hear more about you and where you are in life right now. I, so technically, I'm in Texas right now, um, which we're all, you know, adjusting to this new normal uh, that is the global pandemic. So um, I came here, I thought, for the weekend. I was going to see Lizzo at the Houston Rodeo. I was so pumped, like, ah. needed smell empowerment in my life. And uh, little did I know that this pandemic was going to change everything. And so I'm actually celebrating my five-week anniversary tomorrow. Nice. Here. And, um, so I'm actually, I actually live in Boston though. That's where I call home right now. And how I got there was, um, I graduated uh, business school in June, started my new job in a series of a bunch of transitions that I'm still working through, which is a uh, new career as a product manager. I was in education before, like this is new to me. Uh, working in corporate is new to me. Also, living in Boston and Boston culture is something that I've been adjusting to. And uh, it has been a roller coaster, <laughs> which I'm sure we can all identify with in our own lives. And I'm just super uh, grateful uh, that I get to be a part of it and also that I've been leaning into a lot of self-work 
like therapy and mindfulness that I feel like has really brought me to a place of peace right now that I wasn't feeling even probably a month ago. That's awesome. And oh my gosh, yes, so many transitions, but I'm so glad that you are back in the great state of Texas um, and with your familia. And I know before the show, we talked a little bit about that that theme of making transitions. And you have been making so many transitions recently. I really want to dig into them. Um, for listeners tuning in, Lucy has made a career transition. She's moved to a new city. She has started a job in a completely different industry. Shout out to her. She went to business school without having ever taken a business class. So this woman is full of risk taking. She's such an inspiration. And I want to kick it back to you, Lucy. Can you tell us a little bit more about those career, um, those transitions, especially this career transition that's been happening in your life the last few years. What started it? What has the experience been like? And what have you learned? Yeah, I, I know Sarah through um, education. Like we worked in New Orleans and that's where I started as a teacher and basically realized that one day um, I saw that decisions impacting our community our community were really being made by people who weren't representative of it or didn't bring in the voice that was necessary to make the changes that were needed. And at that point, I really thought to myself, like, I want to be a part of this change. And in order to do that and have a greater impact, I need a seat at that table. Um, and I deserve a seat at that table. And I didn't know what it looked like, though. I knew I wanted to have a bigger impact. And uh, I was thinking what best way to do that. And the way that it really snowballed was after Mardi Gras, uh, I went to my cousin's wedding in uh, Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. And uh, he's a business school grad. And I got to meet a ton of his friends at the wedding. And I was infused by this energy, by all of their motivation and uh, I was inspired and I really felt after feeling their energy and seeing their happiness that this was something that I could pair with my own passion to have a greater impact. So I decided that I want to apply to business school, which is hilarious, as you noted, because I'd never taken a business school class. I'd never taken an accounting class and I was pretty intimidated, but for many reasons felt this was the way that I should move forward. And I was deciding on where I should go. And I felt like a series of conversations with important people in my, in my life really led me to apply to Dartmouth. And one of them was my uncle who told me, Hey, these schools, these top schools want people like you, like you are the candidate that these schools are looking for. And we talked a little bit about imposter syndrome, you know, before we started recording. And I would have never applied to these top schools without somebody who I could tell truly believed in me, said that I deserved to be there. And that's what I did. I, I applied to three schools and I um, found out I guess maybe to take a step back, 
I also, in addition to not having any business experience, I was a teacher and we all know that teachers don't get paid enough. So I wasn't, (laughs) I wasn't walking around with like full pockets and, uh, I spent all my savings on test prep, on getting, uh, consulting help with applications. And, um, the person who I worked with said, she, she shared with me what the price was in order to get some of her help. And I told her like, I cannot pay for all of this right now. Like, can you do a uh, payment plan? She's like, I normally don't do this. AKA, like I normally don't work Mm -hmm. with people applying to business school who need payment plans. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I'll do it for you. And so I, I worked with her on one application. I applied to three schools, and um, I'll never forget the day that I got a phone call from Hanover, New Hampshire. Also, who knew that Dartmouth was in New Hampshire? I didn't until I applied there. And uh, they told me I got accepted, and my first words were, no way. I just couldn't believe it. Lucy, that is so incredible. And for those of you who don't know, Dartmouth, Business school is one of the best business schools in the world. Amazing. You are such an inspiration. And I also want to dig in a little more deeply about access and how you advocated for yourself and also how you figured out there were certain pieces of this journey that you wanted to make happen, even when they seemed really difficult to make happen. For example, paying for someone to help you with your applications because you know you really wanted to give it your all. Can you tell us a little bit about the process that it was like for you getting into business school? Yeah, so I had no idea really how to approach it and I really leaned on people who I knew had gone through the process and uh, one of those being my cousin. And... He had told me about his experience and how getting this extra help, because he applied two two different years, getting this extra help really, um, really pushed him to be accepted into the programs that he wanted to be accepted into. And as somebody who's coming from a education background, a biology, biology major, I knew that it was an investment that I was willing to make because of the long-term investment this education would have on my life and my career. And coupled with that, another cousin, I'm talking about cousins, yo, family is real. (laughs) Family uh, has been such a huge part of this. And one of my cousins told me about this um, organization called the Consortium, who's mission is literally to increase diversity in high-level business positions. And I had never heard of it. And they're a program that partners with different schools and provide full tuitions, up to full tuition scholarships. And in addition to that, a whole network of people who share the same mission, um, over 500 people. And it was because this one person, my cousin told me about this, that I ended up applying to business school through the consortium. And Dartmouth, Tuck, happened to be one of the partners. And when I tell you, like, one of the most things that I'm grateful for in my experience is that consortium community. It's, it was 
and such an important part of my family that I still have today. And, you know, to your point about like, how did I know that this was the right thing to do, especially not having money <laughs> to do it. And especially coming from, I think, a culture of loans not being something that's super encouraged. Um, I think I didn't fully know. I, I think I, I had to listen to my gut and I felt like business school was the right choice for me. And I believed, I believed in this next step into my life and I was going to try it out. And, um, it, it worked out. And sometimes you're not always, I found that I'm not always going to know if things are going to work out in the end. And this was one of those moments where I took that uh, leap of faith. Yeah, it's so cool that you took a leap of faith. And I think part of what I've learned, at least in my journey about taking leaps of faith is that you really have to care for yourself and trust yourself through that process because it can be so overwhelming, so stress inducing. So I'd love to know, I know you and I touched base a little bit about what you've been doing to take care for yourself and show love to yourself. Tell me a little bit more about therapy and what role that's played in your life and how you've been really filling yourself back up through all of these transitions. So I think at this point I've been going to therapy for about six weeks and it has been a journey, (laughs) y'all. I, I've known that I wanted to go to therapy probably since 2013 when I became a teacher teaching really opened up a whole new level of stress and uh, emotional vulnerability that I hadn't experienced before and I've been avoiding it Uh, I avoided it for so long and there are a couple times that I can remember um, where I had an opportunity to go and I didn't like I had scheduled in business school, we, it was part of our insurance, you know, to be able to go to therapy and, or part of our program. And so I had scheduled an orientation meeting, a consultation, and I am somebody who definitely struggled with always working. I was always involved. I love, you know, love being involved, like love being immersed in the community. And I was using that as an excuse that I didn't have time. And I remember sitting at the dining, one of the dining room tables and I had 15 minutes to get to my consultation appointment. And I was also working on this community event. Um, And I thought to myself, okay, I can either leave now and kind of leave some work that still needs to get done for this project and make it to this therapy appointment or I cannot go and finish my work, which is so important, right, for me to do right now. Like, this is so, so important. Uh, forget my own health. <laughs> and I decided to do my work, and I avoided it. And it got to a point this a few weeks ago where I – got some recommendations of therapists of color in Boston from a friend and uh, read up on somebody who I thought maybe we could be aligned and had a consultation that was amazing and had scheduled my first therapy appointment. 
And again, this struggle was presented in front of me and my manager, there was a miscommunication. We were supposed to be interviewing somebody and he didn't realize that I had this appointment. And so I just started this job, right? So I'm nervous. Like if I tell him that last minute I can't do this interview because I have this therapy appointment, which I called a doctor's appointment. (laughs) And I thought to myself, I'm presented with it again. Like, do I take this therapy appointment or do I continue to do work? And I realized, yo, I'm being tested again. Yeah. (laughs) This is another test. And I, it was so hard. And I told, I told him, I can't, I can't do it. And I worked really hard to find a replacement, somebody who could do the interview for me. And it totally worked out. Everything was fine. And I made it to my therapy appointment. But again, uh, it was almost, it was almost deja vu um, of me getting in the way of my own growth, taking care of myself. And what do you think in your own reflection kept you from wanting to pursue that growth? Was it fear? Was it pressure or that you felt guilty? Kind of what, what do you think was the wall that you had to break through? I think that part of it is, you know, coming from a Latino family who, um, I mean, we didn't come from a lot. Like my mom made sure that I was able, you know, to take advantage of really important opportunities like travel and extracurriculars. But I think you're taught at a really young age that you need to work hard and oftentimes harder than everybody else in order to um, capitalize on opportunities to be successful. And I think that I've always been a hard worker, always extra involved (laughs) and I think the trap is that you almost see any work that's for yourself as selfish as weak less important um and we were talking about um you're so sweet and we're saying all these things all these appreciative things about me. And one of them was, um, you mentioned about having it all together. And I think that there's so much pressure to have it all together all the time. And so to admit that you don't have it all together Mm -hmm. is this inner struggle that is so easy to, uh, succumb to. And I, think that that's what I did for so many years and just like the examples I gave before I was just choosing to do this work because that was higher value Mm -hmm. I was valuing other things over myself Mm -hmm. and the fun fact is that if you don't value yourself and if you're not depositing yourself then you're not able to bring your best self to anything that you do Girl, preach. Yes. No, you're so right. And also our happiness and our existence is important for a lot of things besides what we produce. I think we've been taught that we are as valuable as 
yeah, as what we produce, what we create. And that's not true. We are valuable, period. We deserve happiness, period. And as simple as those statements are, they're revolutionary. And I feel like they're so counter to these microaggressive messages that we receive all the time, that we're not good enough, that, I mean, even just thinking about the way in which we treat people who are elderly, right? You know, I don't, I I feel like we have lost a lot of respect and really don't treat the elderly with respect. And I think a lot of that is because of what we just talked about, you know, because when you're not producing, society really stops caring about you in many ways. And so I think we have to be, we have to create a new narrative in our own minds and our own lives and our own communities and advocate not just for ourselves and lead by example, but also advocate for our loved ones and for communities that who don't receive care, um, who aren't being, you know, given access to mental health and therapy and all of these really important, um, experiences. So I'm so happy for you that you've gone to therapy. Shout out. I love therapy. I've been um, going for a, the past few weeks as well for the first time Yay! in my adult life. So yes, girl, it is important. And yeah, just important to have a, a space to share your story and and just leave it there and then, you know, go back into the world. It's really nice and healing. So I'm happy for you. Um, you also talked about your passion for mindfulness And I feel like mindfulness is this really, it's a word that has so many emotions for me. It's like scary. It's confusing. It's something I feel like I'm supposed to do. It can be relaxing. So what has your experience been like with mindfulness? What does it mean to you and why are you passionate about it? So I got introduced to mindfulness from this amazing course that I took at Tuck called Leadership Out of the Box. And one of the things that we talked about was how so often in our lives, we carry around especially painful things. And the reason why we carry them around is because we never gave space to feel them. And what happens is when you keep carrying that around and you keep experiencing more painful things that you don't give space for, like that shit weighs you down. (laughs) And I knew that there was a lot that I was carrying around that I hadn't dealt with. And this one metaphor that I love that really helped me understand mindfulness break it down in a way that doesn't sound like this like super scientific word that's like super intimidating was um you know when we have events in our life um and this example is painful ones it's like a thorn and the the thing to do um you would think is you pull it out right And you experience that pain and it really, really hurts, but that's how you heal. But what I realized I was doing, and this is what the metaphor explained, is that I had all these freaking thorns all over my body that I wasn't dealing with. And so what happens is that you then start to maneuver your whole life, trying to avoid pain instead of giving it space and experiencing it. And then 
moving on, you know, letting go, like the idea of letting go has revolutionized everything for me (laughs) because it's so easy to hold on to things and it could be really happy things. Like I, I held on to my amazing experience in business school and I held on to that while I moved to Boston, which I think is part of why I wasn't really happy is because I was holding on to something. And so I think for me, um, some of the lessons that I've learned is, you know, the importance of experiencing your emotions and giving space to them. Because if you're not letting that energy go through, then you're not able to experience all of the new amazing things that are coming at you, you know? Yeah. Keep going, girl. It just I'm like soaking in all the wisdom right now. I love hosting this podcast because every time I learn so much, I'm like, yes, can I please write that down? I'm just like, shout out to my therapist because this is y'all. I'm just telling you. Uh, when I was talking to her today, I'm like, yeah, it's been, been like six weeks, six weeks since we've been working together. And I said, I don't really know if that's the term that you use, but this feels like work. So that's what I'm going to use. It is work. It's hard. Like, I'm glad that you say that word because, yeah, therapy can be healing, but I found I can be super triggered by therapy, but it's good, right? Like, I need to dredge up some of those things, but sometimes I realize, oh my God, I have so many things that I haven't worked through or things that I haven't even thought about all the way back to childhood that I haven't addressed and that I've been sitting there for 20 plus years just like you said, like festering and yeah, it is work. I mean, like anything good in life, you know, relationships, it doesn't mean that work is a bad thing. Be right. can be heavy. It can be exhausting. Um, they also be super liberating and yeah, just really magnificent to get to know yourself in that way. And like you said, let go of things that need to be let go of. Um, that's so cool. Anything else? Sorry, I interrupted you. Anything else you want to share about that, about mindfulness? And also, how have you, I feel like when I think of mindfulness, I, I think a lot of thought is around meditation. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what mindfulness means to you? Is it meditation? Is it the way that you eat, the way that you wake up, go to sleep? How does it present itself in your life? So one thing that you said that I want to call out is you use the word liberation and that's exactly how I feel right now. Um, and I, I want to add, you know, it is work there. You, when you work on yourself, it's not, it's not instant gratification. Um, there's a quote that says the first day you plant the seed isn't the day that you enjoy the fruit. Mm. And that's how I see, um, the, journey of self-love and self-care and I for me mindfulness has really been about a heightened awareness of how I'm feeling and naming it and owning it rather than letting my emotions take control over me being able to take control over my emotions by naming them. Mm-hmm. And it has so much power. Um, for me, it has. And I think that one one of the more 
reminiscent aspects of it that come to mind when you say meditation is even in my therapy sessions, we'll be talking about something. I don't know if this happens to y'all, but you know, somebody will say something that's triggering and all of a sudden you want to cry. Yeah. All the time. Oh my gosh. I also, I kind of like crying sometimes. It can be scary, but it can also be a nice release. <laughs> no, a good cry. I had it on my goals because I've been journaling a lot lately. Nice. I had it on one of my goals last week to have a good cry. Yes. Having a good cry can be just as good as a therapy session, and it's free. So yes, and do it in your own home. Yes, <laughs> it feels to me sometimes like a storm. You know, like you're in it, and it is chaotic and crazy. But then afterwards, it's just like a release. It's like a calm. And or even sometimes like it's I feel like there's so many different types of crying. There's like that hysterical, ugly cry, which I'm a huge fan of because um, <laughs> I'm so dramatic, such a Pisces babe. But also I feel like there's sometimes like that slow cry, it's just like a steady kind of, you know, like a like a rainy day. And yeah. you just like want to snuggle up with yourself and maybe drink some tea. <laughs> People probably think I'm like crazy. They're like, Sada, what are you talking about? Like you literally went off on a tangent. <laughs> and we're known for being emotionally detached and not leaning into our feelings. And, you know, having a good cry is at least a few weeks ago was definitely a super intimidating thing that I would never want to do. And even though I don't always want to do it now, I'm that person who has weekly goals. And I love it. We'll put having an ugly cry as a weekly goal because it's important. And in terms of mindfulness, you know, um, I think it's part of it's listening to your body. Mm. When somebody brings something up that makes me want to cry, it's like, oh, shit. What have I not unpacked? Mm. Like, what have I not given space for right now that's causing this, that's causing this wave of emotion to mm. come up? And to me, it's really been a journey of taking ownership of my emotions mm. and also listening to my body. And I love that you talk about being a Pisces and like, leaning into all these cries that rolls for me because I don't love doing that but because this is something I'm super passionate about and working really hard at I um, prioritize it enough to write it down (laughs) I love it I love that it's on your to-do list and I know we talked about this recent transition that you've made after business school to Boston and want to know a little bit more about that. So you went to business school having never taken a business class, got into one of the greatest business schools in the country, um, amazing job in Boston. And now that you're there, was it everything you thought it would be? What have you learned about that process and what are you working towards right now in this new city, this new job, and having just left this really special place, which was Business School of Dartmouth? So I think like many things in life, it's not what you expected it to be. And I say that because 
I went to business school having really big dreams, which I still have big dreams. And But one of those was that I was going to graduate and I was going to lead this nonprofit that was helping communities, um, immigrant communities, communities of color get the education that they deserve. And it was just like very much reminiscent of my previous phase of life as a teacher and uh, very clear what kind of impact I was making. And then I got this new job as a product manager at a tech company. And I thought to myself, oh, shit, did I just go through this whole process and get a job that's completely not aligned with having the impact on communities that I want to have. And you mentioned this quote earlier, uh, lifting as we climb, and it's one that I truly do live by. And it was terrifying to me that I was entering this new phase of life, being unsure on what that was going to look like. And on top of that, moving to Boston is way different. <laughs> the Boston culture is way different than the culture in New Orleans, which is where I was before I started business school. It was way different than uh, Texas. And uh, it was something that I really struggled to adjust to um, because it lacked so much of what I was familiar with. And a lot of that was diversity and community, diversity and culture, and the impact that has on something as simple as food, uh, places to dance to. <laughs> uh, and those, those aspects of the city are things that are really important for me to feel at home. And so I went through this period of not feeling at home at my job. I wasn't feeling at home because I was very new at my in my position, I'd never worked in tech before, and I hadn't worked in corporate before. And then I would go home and not feel at home because of being so new to Boston and going back to not going back to letting go. I didn't let go of any of those feelings. And because I didn't let go, it really prevented me from thriving in such a fun new transition post business school like this is the opportunity you know that I had been working towards and I was so overwhelmed with disappointment and fear that I wasn't fulfilling my dream of lifting communities as I was moving up the quote-unquote ladder and I think that part of me getting to know myself better has allowed me to see these opportunities of happiness and where I'm at in life. And I'm so grateful because I think I'm finally at a point where I'm able to merge what I'm passionate about with what I'm doing in my job in some capacity. And um, the way that I've seen that now is kind of looking around and realizing, wow, there's a lot of growth, that a lot of opportunity for growth in terms of diversity and product and product management uh, and what we're building in tech companies and something as simple as illustrations that are used 
are things that are not representing real diversity. Yes. And to be able to see yourself in something like an illustration, the impact that that has, Mm. the impact that representation has is insane. And this is one small example. And I've realized that my journey and what it means to lift as I climb is still in the making, but I think representation in tech is the direction that I'm moving towards. And I'm so energized and excited about it. I love that. And that leads perfectly into my next question, which is what is next for you? What adventures and risks are you looking forward to taking in this next phase of life? So I, one thing I'm looking forward to is really diving into what does representation in tech look like in my job. Um, I'm a product manager. I'm working um, on certain identity updates, branding updates. I've worked on the restaurants team and all of those things have been very meaningful in different ways and none of them directly connect to diversity or representation in tech. And so I think I'm faced with a really fun challenge and how do I merge what I'm doing now with what I'm passionate about and bringing these conversations in when they haven't necessarily been heard before takes some courage, especially being new to a company and you want to build your credibility and you're wanting to build your brand in the position that you're in. And so to also add in bringing in these new ideas and also new realities that, Hey, these are things that we could be doing better. can be a little scary, but what makes it worth it is I think to myself, like, that's why I went to business school. Like I went to business school to have a seat at the table and I'm not at the table necessarily yet, but, um, I'm, looking forward to how I can still have that impact on this journey to the table. And so I wish I had a very specific, (laughs) and this is what I'm working towards. Uh, But that's also a part of life too. You know, you're not always going to have the answers. And I think it's really easy to beat ourselves up whenever you feel like you lack clarity, but that's part of the process. Uh, We, we have to trust the process and, I found that at the times that I've been struggling the most are the times that soon after I end up gaining clarity on things that ultimately make me happier. I love that. And yeah, I think that that's a huge risk too in thinking about how to, I mean, I just think representation and having the courage to speak truth to power is a huge risk and a really important one to take. So I appreciate you being in those spaces and voicing your experiences, experiences of your community. I think that's so powerful. And um, I'd love to know, you know, now that you're here at this place, you've made so many transitions. What advice would you give to someone who is listening to this episode, thinking about making a leap of faith and making a big change in their life, particularly in their career or moving to a new city, what advice would you give to them? And what have you, what do you feel like you've learned through this process? 
One thing I for sure learned was to deposit in myself. And I would 100% encourage people to make time for that. Invest in yourself. Because once you do that, like the clarity that you gain on your passions, on your current position in your journey, what that journey can look like later is so meaningful and will be so much more clear when you actually give time and space to love yourself and and deposit in you. So that's one piece of advice that I would give. Two is have faith in whatever that means for you. You can dream big and oftentimes have this feeling that you don't belong, that you don't deserve to be at these top positions at whatever dream company that you want to work at or schools that you're applying to. And the worst thing we can do is be a barrier to our own success. So have faith. And third, I think like, it sounds so cheesy, but, you know, dream big. It's so, it, you can be trapped into thinking and, you know, what's the next logical step, but really sit back and reflect, journal on what are the things that you really want to get out in the next five years or even in the next 10 years and make sure that you understand that fully and um, get after it because, we can have faith, but that faith doesn't do much if we're not putting in the work. And um, so, echar de ganas, as we say. See. Sí. <laughs> I love that. Well, Lucy, thank you so much. I have learned so much from you and want to know before we sign off if there's any last thoughts you want to share with our listeners, any stories you want to share before we head back out into the world of quarantine. (laughs) Uh, First, I want to say, I I just hope everybody is safe. Uh, I hope that you are taking care of yourself. I think all of us are grieving different things, whether it be our normal, whether it be like seeing loved ones who are suffering in different ways. And um, I'd say it's okay to have a bad day. Give yourself that because we're going through a lot. Um, And so I'm sending you all a ton of love. Uh, And I just want to say thank you again, Sarah, for giving me this opportunity. Um, It's been so much fun talking to you and I want to talk to you more. I know. That's the best part of this is just like catching up with old friends and uh, I I just love it and I'm so grateful for you for sharing your story I know that in and of itself takes a lot of courage Um, so muchas gracias I'm sending you a huge hug and um, know that we'll we'll have many more conversations I hope to have you on the show again um, and catch up with you about how Boston is when you get back so sending some love and um, thank you all so much for tuning into the She Love podcast. We'll catch you next week.